Everybody and welcome back to another edition of the POD cast. This is episode number 39. We are your favorite podcast about new metal. This month we are covering American Head Charges, The War of Art. I'm John, and with me is a man who some have described as an Americunt evolving into useless psychic garbage. It's Brian Quinby. Now you just now I had to like look and see if that was like a a one of those uh fucking what is it like NASA National Aeronautics and Space Oh yeah an acronym like an acronym yeah if it yeah, was Yeah no that, it's not it's not it's just, it's just a, a literal title of one of the songs on this record for some reason Before we start reviewing Imagine this, telling people that's your favorite song imagine telling <laughs> people what hey uh, what song do you like the most on the War of Art Oh I like Americunt evolving into useless psychic garbage <laughs> that's my favorite song Oh brother, we have some real uh we have edge lords and smart guys in this band. It is we a are, band of smart yeah. guy edge lords. People are going to be I already know that look, we are not I don't think I okay, I don't want to bury the lead. I don't think either one of us is going to give this a bad review, but I do think we are going to piss people off with how we review this oh, record. Oh, nah. They'll be That's fine. That's my thought. They'll all you live. think they'll be fine? Yeah, yeah. But first, before we start the review, there's other new metal news. Specifically, there is the definitely s- other new metal news. <laughs> the Sick New World uh, Festival, which I yeah. will be trying to figure out how to go to. I mean, if if yeah. we can get press passes, I'll fly my ass out there. We gotta uh, get. I think we can get press passes. I think this show qualifies as press. They they owe us, us in a way passing. like I mean I know like people have said this on on Twitter you know that we made this happen but like kinda yeah <laughs> I mean I loved it I hey I'm gonna say that if I can get into this show for free kinda and also interview guys like if it's that's a how we got and it. I get to interview guys that would be sick as hell I'll tell you, you right know? now I'm gonna tell you right now. You know who the ta- you know who the who I want to interview the most at Sick New World is? Who? Doug Robb from Hoobastank. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I I I was thinking You got to get we got to sit down end, with Dougie. We got to give Dougie a whirl here. On my side, I was thinking it would be pretty cool to get an interview with uh Stephen Carpenter and get him canceled. That would be oh okay something I'd like. To I feel like he's kind of he already. I feel like he's already kind of been on the path of canceling himself, hasn't <laughs> yeah. he? Yeah. Can we be so, the official people so that you get wanna, him canceled? You want to push him over the edge? Yeah, in, I just want to go in, on there and be like, "Yeah, just what do you think about Trump, bro? Isn't he great?" You know? <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I love the idea of getting. I mean, because that guy just doesn't stop talking. He during COVID. Oh. He'll, he just, he's, he can't wait. He can't wait to talk yeah. to you about it. But I think it's a real fucking exciting thing to have corn and Deftones on the same 
lineup. I, I think there are several bands on this thing I want to see. Would love it if it was more than one day because it's a tall order. And it's a um, lot like the way it is set up too. There's there is actually genuinely like a lot of bands I would like to see. So you yeah. got to know you're going to be missing some bands. There's going to, there's got to be some conflicts. So that's mm-hmm. going to be the, like, that would be the disappointing thing is like, Oh, I got to choose between Deftones and Hoobastank. <laughs> oh, I'm choosing Deftones 900% of the time. There. I, no, I know. I was joking about that. Exactly. I mean, for matchup for but, me, yeah. for me, the bigger problem is who's playing in the morning. Cause I ain't going to be seeing that. <laughs> and um well how, how early does I'll... it start oh who knows probably probably noon. 11 I... or something noon. 11 yeah. or noon yeah i might yeah. be able to get there at 11 their time if i fly out there like the night yeah. before yeah and i can get in there i'll probably get up at like nine in the morning but i am like the least suited to las vegas person oh. in the world if you're the least suited then what does that make me I just don't go to bed when I'm there. Like, I can't make myself go to sleep, and I can't make myself stop gambling. I cannot stop gambling in that place. I tried. (laughs) I fucking tried, man. And I just, I wake up, I walk, I wake up, I I shower, I get dressed, I walk downstairs, I smoke 500 cigarettes and play roulette. (laughs) And I just can't stop playing roulette. And then, so, like, that's going to be a problem. Because I think I'd bring the old lady with me, too. And uh, uh, the old ball and chain. The old but, ball and uh, chain. If we go, that would be very cool. She wouldn't go to the festival. She would actually hate that festival. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't like festivals. And I have to tell me you. I have to tell you that going to 12 hours of this kind of music at a festival is a lo- is too much for the human body you could be like oh john you just don't like it new metal enough no i like new metal more than enough but you don't i'm need- going i mean i'm yeah i'll i'll be there probably but yeah i mean we talked about maybe trying to do a live pod cast the night before um that i wouldn't i'm not allowed to do that but uh so john would be just sitting just off the stage telling me what he would be saying and yes then I'd exa- say yes it. exactly yes something that's how like we that. would do it something like that yeah. wink wink but uh we'll figure it out but i i do think because I'll, I'll say this i used to go to warp tour all the time and I I wrote for a website and I got free tickets to Warp Tour. And usually how it works for big festivals is they like really don't care. They're happy to give out press passes. They don't mm-hmm. really give a shit because it's a, on a festival grounds. It can hold tens of thousands of people. They don't give a shit about the press pass situation. So like I don't think I don't think it's going to be that hard for us to get press passes. Honestly, I didn't even think about it. Until I saw I you tweet about it, and then I was like, "Oh fuck, yeah, that is that's right. Like we could get press passes." And I mean, if there's ahead. a new metal, if there's a, a a new metal press, we have to be like one of the top easily <laughs> parts of that press. Easily, easily, <laughs> I'll show them our download numbers, and they'll probably be like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense that you would be there." I'm not so, the yeah. PRP, okay? We're not saying we're the goddamn yeah. PRP. We're not, revol- we're not, we're not Revolver. 
We're not that one web page that we always end up on that I'm I'm <laughs> hip online on right now. It, yeah, we're not hip online. We're not we're nothing like that. <laughs> we didn't get a we didn't get a hip online interview this week, but we do have a popentertainment.com and a concert <laughs> a concertlivewire.com. Oh, actually, we got a room13.com as well, which we we've had a room13 on this show before. It's been a while, but Room 13's back in a big way this this week uh, on or this month on the show, but yeah, we I also mean, have we also have truly one of the worst interviewers I've ever read in my life. Oh, I'm this oh, thing one hundred percent. We do, and I one. can. Oh, of course I do, and I can't wait to talk <laughs> about that with you because it is also kind of in your wheelhouse. It's like a Shocktobery type thing, which I love. Crazy. So I can't it's wait crazy. to. I can't wait to get into that. But yeah, we'll we'll get there. Um, yeah, I mean. I think, too, the thing I love about the festival is just that there's also, like, random buzz bands that are playing it, too, like yeah. Turnstile and Narrowhead and um, Fiddlehead. And all the heads all the heads are going to be there. Head P.E., Head from Corn, Fiddlehead, and Narrowhead are all going to be there. I don't think Head P.E. is on the bill. Maybe. But, um, maybe we can bring our chicks and we'll get Head, right? You whoa, know what I'm saying? Okay. Or give and, it. Or give it. Get, I mean, I would give it because I'm more of a nice guy, you know, sort of thing. But what John does that even mean? What is that? Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm just, uncomfortable. I would be, I'd be more likely to eat pussy than you. Is what I don't I'm trying think that's to say. True. I don't think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that got really uncomfortable, and it was very fun for me. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is I'm usually recording this while my whole family's asleep yeah but katie is off of work tomorrow so i'm sure she heard me talking about eating pussy just now in the room next to us and when i get in there she'll be like i thought this was a show about new metal you're over there talking about eating my pussy (laughs) 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 but i'm excited yeah man styles there i'm (laughs) But uh, I'm but a another turnstile news, guy. Turn, I'm glad Turnstile will be there. Uh, <laughs> I like Turnstile. Oh, I love Turnstile. I, I'd be thrilled. And I'd be. I'm, I'm just... <laughs> Jesus Christ! Just imagine, Brian. You could have them both in the same day. <laughs> no, I, I very famously don't listen to music while I have sex. No, I know, but I mean, like you could oh, have yeah. sex and then go see mm, turnstile i'll probably be pretty tired actually that day so <laughs> okay well look i'm happen. just i'm just trying to say but anyway i do think I, I think it would be fun because also i think a lot of our listeners will be there so it'd be fun to meet up with people and and say hi and and get to watch some of these beautiful boys do their music together and 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 ladies well that's the other thing i couldn't believe so you know there's a lot of times people analyze the sort of font size on the lineups you know like oh who's the big which first of all system of a down headlining over corn what are we doing here but uh, that's a all, hipster thing that's a it hipster is it's, thing, it's just because they're like reuniting right like yeah, that's the, but- that's the reason but it's like come on System yeah, of a down ahead of corn. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Now, come on. I disagree with it too, brother. I just dis- I don't like that at all. But, because I mean, they also stink live. And just stink. imagine them on stink. their comeback live bad. where they haven't played together. They're gonna be. It's they're gonna, gonna be, be bad. They're gonna be. It's, it's gonna be and, so bad. And you know they're gonna play a set list you hate. And oh, it's gonna be. Yeah. It's gonna be a hypnotized heavy set list. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it is. Oh, oh and they, for remember sure. they released those two new singles too. They're gonna play those that singles. Sucks. Yeah, yeah. And then that guy that that we have to look at him with that Trump guy playing drums, which oh, is like yes, that doesn't that. feel good. I know he's not the only Trump guy on this show. No, we sure. already know. Yeah, Deftones, <laughs> most of the but, other uh, bands. Yeah, yeah, but I do think they. I mean, the only thing I can say, and chances are. I know that what's his name? Uh, uh, Fred Durst had a health thing. Uh, oh, that's and they why had they're to not pull playing off it? the road. So I'm hoping that's why they're not playing it because I'll tell you what, man. It's crazy they're not on, there. on here. Yeah, and I'm losing my fucking mm. mind to this. This is a concert. The fucking poster for this looks like the back of my notebook in high school. It's <laughs> fucking crazy you like had turnstile on your notebook in high school that's fucking wild yeah dude. yeah uh, no i <laughs> you I just love driving would, the subway <laughs> let's replace that with uh uh wu-tang clan who i yeah, always there put we go on oh, there yeah. too because well, they had the logo you could draw which was fun as well yeah and i would write all their names so people would be like oh my god that guy knows all the names of the Wu-Tang Clan. I would right. also write all the names. But this is such a weird thing I did that, that it just popped in my head. I would write the name of the band, all their albums, like around them in like a, a way. And then I would write the name of each person in the band. Then I would write the set, the uh, album order for each bit so i would write all the i would write blind ball tongue need to clown like i would list them all in order so that i could just feel like like man this motherfucker knows his shit knows his shit i definitely yeah. did not do that i mean that's some psycho behavior but i definitely did not do that but i was gonna say the one band whose font size i was blown away by was flyleaf I mean, we covered yeah. Flyleaf on this show, but they're they're not really a new metal band. And I guess it's like, again, it's because they're reuniting with Lacey. Um, but it just feels um, strange to me that that's like a big um, that that was like a big deal. Like I, I, I to me, like them being ahead of P.O.D. and Hoobastank and bands like that, I was really surprised by because I never I guess they were a little after my time, but Flyleaf never struck me as a band that was that big where they would get that kind of billing on the on the. I think they sold festival. a shit ton of. I think they sold a lot of albums though. They're Did one they? of those like I feel like I don't remember. That. Sold a ton. I thought when we covered them, the numbers were fucking out. They were up there with like it could be Evanescence and shit. You know, well because but, they also had the fucking Christian thing, right? So people always. People always buy into the Christian thing, uh, yeah. but let me see. I'm Soulfly looking now at being Flyleaf. lower. Soulfly being so low on this list, it's yes. like that's kind of sickening to me because that's Max Cavalera for fuck's sake. I mean, the guy fucking yes. Max show Cavalera. Some show some respect. He is he legitimized this type of fucking music. He was the first guy to rip it off, like first real legendary fucking band that did a new metal album was Sepultura. And like uh then Soulfly is this album that also kicks ass, has Fred Durst and Chino on it. Like the guy just went a long way to le in, in wrestling you'll talk about like when they're trying to get a guy to be like a super, you know, a big star. It's like they have to beat like Yeah, someone famous. has to put them over. Yep. 
Yeah, it's somebody that's way bigger has to put them over so that then they win and then they become bigger and have to do that. Yeah, legitimizing. And I feel like Max Cavalera and Sepultura legitimized new metal in a way. And then Slayer did it too, not too long after. But but that but Roots, the album we should be reviewing right now, uh <laughs> is like what legitimized this type of music and it's sickening that you would put them under KMFDM or like uh uh which by the way nobody wants KMFDM here no nobody one cares wants Mr. Bungle here no. nobody wants ministry here is this no. there's a lot of stuff the melvins there's a lot of stuff that kind of doesn't uh need to the be melvins there the melvins is so weird <laughs> the melvins yeah. barely makes sense yeah yeah and and cold and orgy orgy is so far down the list. So far down. Would you would fucking body count? Which I don't like body count. I think they stink. But they're so far. It's iced tea. Yeah, but it's not a good band. It's no, I very know. bad. I know. No, I know. Oh, but I I'm saying. Say, oh yeah, it's iced tea. I I get what you're saying. I thought you were saying like to me like why do you mean it's not good? I'm like oh I've no 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 like it. I just mean they're a huge like iced teas in the band. They're mm-hmm. a big like yeah. that's a big deal. I know orgy. I was like orgy feels like the band that's going to be on at noon. Like we're going to be yeah. watching. Oh, yeah. We're going to be watching them play Blue Monday at twelve fifteen p.m. on May thirteenth, twenty twenty three. Like on like the yeah. main stage. But I mean this. This being a one night thing, I think I could make this better, it, it, and it wouldn't cost as much money half, to put half on the bands. If you I could have, it. you oh, could yeah. have this lineup. Yeah, I mean, really, what better. we're looking for, what we're looking for here is corn, Deftones, Incubus, System of a Down, and then we'll go, we'll we'll go Evanescence, we'll go Papa Roach, we'll go Cold Chamber, Soulfly. P.O.D., Seven Dust, Hoobastank, Alien Amp Farm, and then we move down to Cold and Orgy, and I think that does it. That That is like the ultimate new And throw Turnstile in there. Fuck it. Give us Turnstile, Well, I like Turnstile, so I'll listen to Turnstile. Yeah, you turn, know what I mean? Put Turnstile in there. I, I know what you mean. Death Grips is cool. It's cool that Death not Grips gonna is going to be there, but they're they not going to show. Show. They're no, not yeah. going to be there. But you know Mr. what's fucking Bungle is like music by a guy that makes fun of this type of music and yeah. says it sucks. It's like I don't want to fucking sit watch Mike Patton on stage. Depressing. I've made my feelings a pot of him. No, we've made it very clear. Times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I? You know what I realized too. So Flyleaf. So they haven't sold a ton of records. I looked at their. They never charted oh, or okay. anything like that. But you know how it says Flyleaf with Lacey Sturm on the poster. I just mm-hmm. thought that was a way of saying, hey, like Flyleaf is reunited. But apparently she is back in the band, but that yeah. is what they call the band now. Like yeah. anytime they play, it's called Flyleaf with Lacey Sturm, which is just yeah. such a stupid, like it's what a dumb shit for what Lacey. a dumb power move to be like, I'll come back in the band, but only if you call this band Flyleaf with me. <laughs> I mean, you say that, but if I could get this show called uh the pod cast with brian quinby i would do that like that that's my power play no i like it i like a power play that's exciting well i'm like, not saying she's I... just like put my name in this thing if i was in a band i'd do the same if i was her in her position i would do exactly the same thing you know because okay. you have to like 
I think because you have to like put up a, a little bit of a fight before you come back. You know, you got to get something. And, you know, I'm, right. I'm sure money, her money was pretty good. But it's like she sort of had the band by the balls. Because oh, yeah. I mean, nobody she was definitely the see, band. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody wants to see the band without her. So it's kind of like Creed. If I was Scott Stapp. I just, I probably would never perform again, but like, I know that Creed can't do Creed without me. So yeah, like, Creed if with they Scott decided Stapp. to tour, yeah, if they decided to tour, I would be like, it's called Creed with Scott Stapp now. Thank you. Not Alter Bridge. Uh, Creed with Scott Stapp. But yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm cutting my life with the Thrill Kill cult. Uh, oh yeah, I'm, who needs them? Get out of here. I'm personally cutting filter, but I know that. Yeah. Uh, you can cut people filter. Like filter. They're pretty low yeah. on the poster too. So I mean, it shows yeah. what people well, think of filter. You, you can cut filter. Filter has one good song. I've said that, but take yeah. a picture. I, I, by the way, is the good song. It's not the other ones that other people think are good. Hey man, nice shot. You don't like Hey man, nice no. shot. Jurassicall. Yeah. No, take a picture. Yeah. That's Filter's best song. I think we're at a point now. We have we have made this show better already. And uh, maybe next time they'll listen to us. Is, is We're the tastemakers. We, you know, someone did tweet that at, at you, I saw, which I agree with that. Like when we started this show three years ago, nobody was talking about new metal. No, like nobody was talking just Roach about Roach Coach. It. Roach and Coach and us. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. Who they should be there too, honestly. They, they, I don't, I can't believe I said that. I said us show got a call. Us, Roach Coach, and Holiday Kirk were, are the four horsemen of the new metal apocalypse. And I think that that's, <laughs> that's true. We were, we were doing it before everybody else. And now, obviously, Kirk's got the, uh, the new metal moments account, which has blown up and, and done really well and has brought, has brought more awareness to, uh, to this great genre. But yeah, it is funny to think about like, Three years ago, I wouldn't have dreamed. And I know that we're, you know, it's it's kind of a bullshit. Like people are just trying to capitalize on everybody's nostalgia and feelings for stuff or whatever. But at the same time, like when we started this podcast three years ago, I would have never, ever believed that we would be like that. This kind of festival would have existed like at any time, you know, like it just feel it does feel crazy to think like, oh, yeah, this is something that people would want and it rules. Well, I'll say I, I think even even more than that, uh, I don't think either one of us would have guessed that there would be an opportunity to see Corn, Deftones and Incubus at the same show. No. Ever. Ever. Oh, Prayers is there, too. Holy fuck. I didn't even see Prayers. That rocks. Those guys kick ass. I mean, they're ultra canceled. But they uh, uh, rule. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, um, those are the types of but, things you like. Yeah, System of a Down, Corn, Deftones, Incubus is crazy. I is, mean, it's just not you would never think it would happen because there's, you know, two bands there that have been trying to run away from new metal. One that hasn't been together for a long time. And then Corn is there. And and I don't know. I I can't even express how 16 17 year old brian dreamed of seeing corn and deftones like like to the point where i felt like i missed out because i knew that they played with each other in california and like sacramento and la and i always had in my mind like man 
you know, it sucks that I wasn't at one of those shows because I'll never get the. I just didn't think they would ever do it. No, I agree. I agree. And I also think like you and I have talked on the show about how we both have disdain for System of a Down Live and enough people have sort of countered that over the years or have said Mm -hmm. like, you know, no, they're really good or I saw them and they were great or whatever, where I want to give them another chance. Now, do I think Mm. that uh, them reuniting as 50 year old guys uh, is going to be the best version of System of a Down? No, I do not. Uh, but I'm at least, I have some openness in my heart where maybe I could be blown away where I already have an amazing amount of good feelings for Corn and Deftones and Incubus and every other great band I saw that day where System of a Down just caps it all off. And I, and I think, yeah, you know what? This was nice. Yeah. I, I needed this. You want, you want Corn headlining. I do though. want Corn really headlining. Corn. I That's, agree. Who, they deserve it. And I just feel like down. it's going to be hard for System of a Down to follow Corn. I think that oh, that's yeah. like not easy. Corn is, I mean, Corn are the gods. Like they're the gods of this shit. It's just, it's mm-hmm. such a weird billing decision. I don't, I don't understand it. But especially again, I I know a lot of people have said that they like them. I've seen them twice and thought they were bad. Like actively, like both bad. times. Yeah, System oh, of I, a Down. I've been two telling times. anyone who would listen that they're one of the worst live bands I've ever seen. Yeah, um, it just isn't. It's it, it, they. I don't think. I think people. The idea of System of a Down is way more exciting than when they actually get on stage and stand in front of you. I guess would be where because <laughs> the idea of it when you think about hearing like Spiders or Sugar live, it's like holy fuck, that's gonna be the heaviest shit ever. I'm gonna go nuts. But then the guys just have this vibe where you're like, oh, this is the shittiest vibes of any band. Like the only band with shittier vibes is the Mars Volta, but <laughs> they're actually good live, but they have the shittiest vibes of all time. Sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. System of a Down definitely has the vibes where you feel like they all hate to be there. And you're also like, yeah, you're ready to blow up. And then four guys are staring at you looking completely disinterested playing the song. And it's hard for you to be like the kombucha mushroom peep. But like, it's hard for you to get into it when they're just standing there playing it with like almost disdain for their own art. Uh, It is it is very difficult. Uh, But speaking of art, shall we get into oh, the war God. of art? Brian, how's that for a segue? Uh, that was beautiful. Thank you. This is uh, this is the American Head Charge episode. Uh, as Brian said off the top, maybe we should have been covering Roots. This is We can almost thank Holiday Kirk for this episode because he used the power of his 70,000 followers on his New Metal Moments account to try and rig this poll in favor of American Head Charge, and it worked. And so here we are. We are covering the War of Art. It's American Head Charge's major label debut. It's their second album ever. Their first album, Trepanation, came out on an independent label in 1999. And then they signed with Rick Rubin's American Recordings and released The War of Art on August 21st, 2000, or August 28th, 2001, rather. And uh, as you may note, that is two weeks before before September 11th. Uh, It was recorded at Rick Rubin's mansion in Laurel Canyon. And it was, uh, you know, it was recorded in his allegedly haunted recording studio. They also landed a spot after releasing it on OzFest 2001. The album did fairly well, 
but not as well as you might think. It uh, it sold about two hundred and fifty thousand copies globally, uh, and it's really its only chart positions. Uh, are for the single Just So You Know, which came out in May 2002. It was released as a single, peaked at number 12 on the U.S. Mainstream Rock Tracks chart and number five on the U.S. Modern Rock Tracks chart. And The War of Art itself peaked at number 118 on the Billboard 200 and number one on the U.S. Heat Seekers chart. It also no. made it to number 90 on the U.K. charts. Uh, but then, yeah, didn't have... Didn't have a lot of life. None of the other singles uh, charted at all. And uh, yeah, it really was kind of the, the, this is really it for the band. I mean, they released two other albums, but the follow-up to this one didn't come out for four years. Came out in 2005. And then the next one after that came out in 2016. So this is sort of the mission statement for American Head Charge, as it were. This album is also uh, one of the 12 that VH1 chose as the most underrated new metal of all uh, new metal albums of all time. It also is number 20 on Louder Sounds, 50 best new metal albums of all time. And it was reviewed very well. Um, it got eight out of 10 in Metal Storm, eight out of 10 in Metal Observer, four out of five in Rough Edge, nine out of 10 in Ultimate Guitar, Four out of five at All Music, four and a half out of five at Anti Music, and four out of five from Kerrang. Uh, so it's it's a very well reviewed album, and as we know, uh, it is the album that uh, the self proclaimed CEO of New Metal, Holiday Kirk, says is the best New Metal album of all time. Uh, before we dig into any of that, Brian, uh, two thousand one. I know you're sort of starting to fall out of love with New Metal. Did you have any experience? with American Head Charge at the time that this record came out. I mean, obviously, I saw them at OzFest. Yes. Uh, and they Did made you see zero them, impression. Uh, burn a burn a flag or shoot a shotgun in the air? No, we didn't get that. I think they had already done that and got in trouble, maybe. They had already, I, I yes. don't know. That probably sounds I mean, right. I think they only did it at one show, it seems like. But yeah. I think the flag burning sick uh, and shooting a shotgun really. To I mean, you, coming out on stage and shooting a shotgun into the air is incredible. <laughs> it's a yeah, it's one of the coolest things. It's like when fucking um, what's his name? Uh, Rob Halford would would yeah. come out with like on a motorcycle with a with a gun. It always looks so fucking cool. But like, um, yeah, I saw him, um, you know listening to the album they are different from what i thought they were or what i remembered but to be honest man an 11 o'clock in the morning band is never gonna get over with any no yeah it's just it's such a stupid that just like you were just saying about how you don't like festivals that is a pointless slot on any festival because nobody's looking to go fucking crazy at 11 o'clock in the morning and it really is it's kind of like uh uh i'm trying it's following something because it's like it's not following anything it's not going to make any impression on anybody there's probably a hundred people at the whole festival that want to see them you know and it just it just didn't get it for me live and the the way the music sounds i might not have even been able to pick it up it is also very hard when you've never heard a band to hear them at 11 o'clock in the morning at an amphitheater or stadium and get any idea for what they do 
but oh, they were just a totally. band I didn't like. I, I, I probably they were a band where I probably uh, kind of in the in the same way with like Chevelle, even sure. where they're just one of these bands where like I just if you were to tell me to name the worst excesses of new metal, I probably would have named this band or and dope. I put them in the same world as like dope and fucking. You know, Static X is a little bit on another level, but you know, you, you put it on the same I level think, as Dope I think and Non Point. Yeah, I think Dope is a good comparison for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, this was a band I think for me that didn't even register. I I, I think um, partly because yeah, it wasn't a big album really. When you think like I, I find it so interesting. Um, you know, yeah, obviously like Kirk talks a lot about it, but other people too on on New Metal Twitter and. And, and I think Roach coach too are, are big AHC fans. And I just, um, it's just interesting to me because they weren't a band that crossed my radar at the time. So I don't even know how people necessarily got really into them, especially because they didn't have longevity either. Like they really just have this record. I mean, when you, when you take four years off, this is produced by Rick Rubin and then your next album, you're off of American recordings and it's not produced by him. And, and it comes out four years later. Like that's not really a story where you think of like, Oh yeah, a lot of bands know the, you know, or a lot of people know this band and they love them. Like it's, it's interesting to me that they're a band that people feel so passionately about. It's probably because they are a smaller band. So it's fun to convince people that a smaller band is good, I guess. But I just feel like for me, who is maybe, maybe a little bit more of a, you know, I took my music in a little more mainstream perhaps than some other people. This was just a band that didn't register to me. And the band name is awful. I mean, it's really just like, if you hear American head charge, that's not, that doesn't make it's, it means nothing. Like it, it doesn't grab you. It sounds like a band that is, yeah, just on a soundtrack or something where you go, Oh, there's a band called American head charge or like, yeah, it's they do the entrance music for a WWE wrestler and you go, yeah, OK, I, I understand who they are. And I do love one thing I will say about their their name. I loved this from the concert live wire interview. Uh, the interviewer says probably one of the hardest things to come up with is a name for your band. You are stuck with it forever. So with that in mind, where did you get your name? And then Chad <laughs> Hanks says, I just came up with it. It means nothing. No meaning by it. Pretty much that purpose right there. Do you think, do you know what a Led Zeppelin actually is? And then the guy's like, well, there's a story behind that one. Some said you're going to go over like a, and then the guy finishes the Zeppelin, finishes the sentence, Led Zeppelin. He's like, do you know what Led Zeppelin means? And the interviewer is immediately like, yeah, I think everybody kind of knows what it means. Like it has a, it's like you're going over like a lead balloon. Everybody understands what that means. And then it is yeah. crazy and that he he thought that like, that was an example. I, it seemed like of, they didn't know. It seemed like they didn't yes, know what Led they Zeppelin didn't realize. Was. And then when the guy said it, they're like, oh, right. Led Zeppelin does actually make sense. I do love <laughs> that their their whole thing. And this is how you know that American Head Charge is a bad name because they just wanted a three. Uh, they just wanted a three word band name. And so their other band names were their other uh, thoughts of a band name were Warsaw Ghetto Pussy and Gestapo Pussy Ranch. Ugh, so, I mean, that is the moment 
that was one of the moments where like, oh, we got ourselves a little edge lord. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, these Ooh. are some edgy. These are some edgy boys. I mean, look at that album cover, the tanks about to run over the little girl and the American flag. Poof. Yeah. Really these guys good. don't put up with shit. You know they what I mean? They don't put up with nothing, like, dude. Yeah. They broach no fools, I think is the saying. Um yeah, it it I I don't a weird album for me because I'm listening to it and um let me go back just a little bit and, and yeah, let's go back. The, so I want to explain something that that only 50, 50 people might know, but Opie and Anthony um is a was a radio show that I cover on Shocktober that one of the people in Opie and Anthony was not good, right? Opie was not funny at all. And so Andy was just actively annoying and and I kind of detracted from the fun of listening to this show. So what some listeners did a few years ago is went to YouTube and made clips called Nopey clips where they <laughs> edited out Opie in the clips. He's completely gone. Nothing there. This band, if they edited out that butt rock voice that comes up in every song this is a fucking great album that is my contention the music on this album is good the singing on this album the the screaming on this album is good he just has to do that voice in every song and it's like as soon as it happens i'm like fuck i don't want this (laughs) i liked what was happening before you started doing this. Why are fuck you doing you. this? Stop yeah. this. Fuck, fuck yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. But if you cut that part out of each song, these songs fucking absolutely slay. This is an album I'm giving a high level review because guitar, the guitar riffs are all fucking sick. The, like the music is so sick to me. It's just, man, that fucking <laughs> that voice. Well, because he, he does the little sort of like tremolo thing to you. Like he'll do a lot of like, like in the, oh, it's really bad. It um, fucks yeah. it up. It eats it, it, it. Like I said, make me an edit where you edit out the singing and just leave the screaming. And even like some of the rappier singing, some, some of that stuff can stay. It's just, it all goes in. Like if you look at my notes, it is always like, oh. Yeah, this song's ripping. This thing's really whipping my ass. I'm fucking going crazy over here. Uh, butt rock voice. Like, the first yeah. song, the first song my note is, if this is for a violent reaction. Great song. I like this song. Good voice. Good riffs. Sound like, sounds like we have ourselves a smart guy. The singer turns into a regular butt rock guy out of nowhere for like 10 seconds. And, uh... <laughs> Then the next song, Pushing the Envelope, gross chorus about getting off, song was ripping until butt rock voice again ends with piano. Song for the suspect, sounds like anti-Christ superstar era Marilyn Manson until butt rock voice comes in. (laughs) Every fucking note is about that voice. It's like, you're like, fucking this rocks. And then it, and you're just like, I don't need that. I just, that is, there's too much of that in the world already. And you have something here. Waste of a fucking band on this guy. 
Yeah. I think too, what really got me and people who have listened to a lot of episodes of our show know I'm just a real sucker for melody and this has none. Like the, the instrumentalists, the instrumentals are good. Like you said. And I think too, like sometimes you just, you got to hand it to Rick Rubin. Like this, this record sounds like a million bucks. I mean, it hits hard. Like we were just doing the single on the Patreon and we were talking about how some bands sort of flatten out their guitar tone to kind of fit in on the radio or whatever, you know, your disturbs and your PODs and your Lincoln parks and that kind of thing. This does not do that at all. This almost goes the opposite way. It it feels like you're getting hit in the face. Like it is, I, you know, you know, a term that reviewers used to say a lot back in the, these days, Brian, the two word term you'd get a lot was oral assault. You yeah. get that a lot. Oh, it's a real oral assault coming out of the speakers. This feels like an oral assault. This album is 68 minutes long. And it is like there's very few moments on it that are not crunchy and heavy and hit you right in between the eyes, which is good. But also there's no like if this guy on the sort of choruses where it gets a little bit more soaring or or a little bit more kind of pop has a little more pop sensibility. This guy doesn't find it ever. There's no in the pocket grooves in the vocals at all. It's like, not only is he doing a butt rock thing, but he's doing a butt rock thing. That's like so flat and it's not finding the mark for me ever. Like, pardon me. There's no chorus on this record for me that stands out where I'm like, God damn, what a chorus that is crushing me. I can't wait to hear that chorus again. Like I think so much of this record is good, but in the hands of a different singer who could find the melodies that are here and really like give it just a little bit of just a little pop kiss. Uh, I think it could be truly like one of the better records that we've covered. Yeah. I, I really, you know, I, I was ready to give this thing just, uh, uh, first of all, I was ready to give this thing a scathing bad review when I found out <laughs> we were going to have to do it. And <laughs> me too. <laughs> that was my goal. And then I listened to it and I was like, ah, man, I almost feel bad giving it a bad review because most of it is really fucking good. But this is definitely more of a Brian album than a John album for sure. Cause I like heavier stuff. I like, yeah, you know, I like actual metal too. So like I get into like power trip and stuff like that. And this is heavy in that way. This is heavy. It's really heavy. And, and, I don't know. I can't. I the lyrics sometimes also can't get out of their way. Bad. You know, Bad. there's just times where I'm like, man, what the fuck are you doing? And then, <laughs> and then, as I'm listening to this fucking album, I hear, I put a flag around her and I fuck for glory, and I wanted to throw my fucking phone in the trash. I was so. <laughs> mad that you would put a fucking street joke in your chorus it just is the lowest of the low lowest you don't like street, you don't like street jokes brian me no i don't necessarily well okay i like street jokes 
I think they're funny. I hate when somebody tells me one. Like it's the <laughs> worst feeling in the world when somebody tells you a street joke because you have to fucking first of all, you know, this is their time that they're like a comedian. So you have to sit and listen to them and they're fucking like putting their umph into it. And then you feel bad. Like once it's over, you're like, I have to laugh. Even if I don't like it, even if it's yeah. fucking racist, I have to laugh because it's just like, if I don't, then I'm breaking some unofficial rule. You know what I mean? Where you yeah. have to, my, my father-in-law does fucking Likes my father the street, does jokes. street jokes every time i go over there so mostly the same ones too mostly and I, I just have a fucking i recoil when i hear especially a street joke that fucking old. i know this came out in 2001 but that was a fucking joke we would tell in the fifth grade you know just it it was just i i just don't know i don't know why he did that and then that just became really grumpy like i'm i'm it got me grumpy because now i feel like i'm i'm reviewing a fucking album like it's stand-up comedy you know because i'm like what a shitty fucking joke he told i hate that joke and now i'm like then that made me not like the song and then i moved on from the song well that song is funny too because one thing yeah like you talk about the lyrics it's it's one of those albums where if you read the song title first, then you better strap in because you're about to hear the song title many times uh, in the song. It's very much, uh, it reminds me of, um, I, I I don't think I told this story on the show before, but I saw Counting Crows uh, by myself like three years ago. The tickets were like $20 and I just wanted to go because I like them and uh, which is immediately going to make people turn this show off. But, uh, but yeah, I like the counting crows, whatever. And there was just this like really funny moment where Adam Duritz was trying to do sort of like a storyteller type thing and was talking about, Oh, you know, have you ever had this feeling where you're sitting alone at a party and it's really, you know, it really sucks because you want to talk to people, but you're also not feeling very social and so you kind of feel like you're sitting in the corner at the party. He's like, well, I really tried to capture that feeling with this song. And then the song starts and it's like, I'm sitting in the corner at the party. And it's like, <laughs> it's just exactly like what he said in the song where you're like, oh, okay. You didn't really try to capture the emotions of it. You just, you basically just said it, you know, and it's the same thing. So like in never get caught, which is the song that has the street joke chorus, um, the, uh, lead singer who is Cameron Heacock, I believe is his name. Uh, but he changes his name a bunch, but that's his, yeah. Cameron Heacock. He says the three words never get caught 40 times in the song <laughs> 40. So it's like, and it, it it is totally like you see so many of these song titles. It's like, oh, this song is called pushing the envelope. Okay, cool. And then the chorus is just like. I'm pushing the envelope, you know, or whatever. And you're like, okay, yeah, man. Great. I'm sto I'm happy for you, dude. <laughs> I mean, the edge, the edgy stuff is I look at the time. If I was giving these guys a chance, I might've liked the edgy stuff. Although it is kind of the problem with the edgy stuff at this point to me is that after reading the articles it's completely divorced from 
politics or, or anything. So you're you're reading this fucking song lyrics and they sound really vapid from that viewpoint. I mean, they sound really vapid from any b- viewpoint, but they they the the lyrics like to me, it feels like they're saying nothing. If they're not saying it like because every time they're interviewed and they're asked about a song, they say it doesn't mean anything. Oh, that don't mean nothing. This song's not about anything. Yeah. And uh, for Band some reason, doesn't that mean is, anything. D- yeah, songs don't mean off. anything. Yeah. It's a turn off. You know what? You you know what you have to say. You have Just to say, say I like. I like to leave it up just, to the yeah, listener's interpretation. interpretation. I, you take whatever like you want. Telling. Take whatever you want out of the song. It's not up to <laughs> me. It's not up to me to decide. It's not. So like, it's, what, yeah. What am I supposed to think when I hear stink-filled spasms deep in a colostomy bag? I like being trapped inside. The plastic's wearing out. Red and perfect, her legs spread out in front of me. They're so open, they make me sweat. It's my lubrication. Recent findings say circumcise the abstinent. Make it hard for them to breathe. I like to make you lie. Dropped and so ill, steeped in my misogyny, my shaking hands are in the skin, I've gone too far too soon. That, to me, and I read that, right, would mean nothing. And, like, I see that, and in my mind, that means nothing. And it's a little more distressing and disappointing that it also means nothing in their (laughs) minds. Well, look, I've always said... When I'm trying to make a metaphor out of a colostomy bag, I'm thinking of it sexually. There's no question about that. I like that that's how that sort of turns out is, um, yeah, the part where I talk about the colostomy bag. Guess what I talk about right after that? Fucking. Um, It's cool. And and, and I'm just going to do the next the the next verse because they're yeah do it's it. so bad dude she stared at me thinking i was sweet to it her legs tied apart for me it feels so good inside now i'm thinking <laughs> who's this that lies under me and needs a piece of my respect you make me sick i'm crawling broken my face is cringing to see figures drawn inside of me succumb 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 fittings procured this fascist medium but now i'm laughing in your face you lie you lie you lie i know that reading any lyrics like that would make them sound goofy bad but yeah for sure nothing 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 sounds more goofy than those lyrics like fascist fascist medium i like that they just uh, just throw in the word fascist sure whatever that whatever (laughs) i don't think they know what it means in this in this context i mean they didn't know what led zeppelin meant so yeah um yeah you definitely can't put it past them that is like a poem that like a 14 year old boy who's pissed off would Mm -hmm. write Mm -hmm. Like, like a goth kid would totally. write that it's the type and, of poetry and, i wrote when my high school girlfriend broke up with me most definitely yeah yeah, yeah. and it's like it it just and then you're like so what's this song about because you're thinking like oh maybe he's saying something here i i don't fucking know and he's like nothing it's like really none of these songs are about anything you know uh so whatever and you're like okay what are we doing then like wh- what is the point at at that at that part you know like yeah. what is the point in me 
like investing any time in you if nothing means nothing. And that is also to say, I like people who don't seem to care about anything. Like I really like Ty Siegel who sings like a spoiled brat that doesn't care about, you know, selling records or doing anything, you know, like they, they just have that. "Eh, eh." I like like snotty garage rock and stuff like that, but this just come, but that stuff, even they have, they're saying something it's goofy or whatever they're saying. But this to me is just like a guy saying like, okay, I need a bunch of, uh, three word phrases that sound vaguely sexual and vaguely farty (laughs) or bloody farty or bloody. Yeah. Yeah. We're in this fascist medium. The red liquid drips. (laughs) It's so dumb. Hitler on the cross. I burn for you. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just one of those things where like, I I found I, the interviews really hurt these guys in my estimate estimation estimation <laughs> estimation. I have been so bad today, but it I, this is my third podcast. Today. I tell you, um, in my estimation, uh, American but, in charge don't care enough about their music. I, no, I think they do care way too much about their music, which is another thing that to me. It's like, why do you fucking seem like you re like all they talk about is how they're like this artistic statement that is beyond selling albums. And like, we're, you know, this is what we do. We do this to feed, to give people the, that thirst for good music and art, art. And then it's, it's, it's fucking the plastics wearing out red and perfect her legs spread out in front of me they're so open they make me sweat it's my <laughs> lubrication that's what i fucking get and there's yeah and then they just repeat that first verse again which is like what in the fuck is happening here man those aren't good lyrics those weren't good lyrics the first time yeah, you why, said are you go- why are you go- i do fuck. think it is very funny as well if you're sort of like describing a sexual encounter with a woman and trying to sound cool as a man to be like dude her legs were so open. <laughs> it's like, yeah, what does I that mean, even mean? <laughs> that is like a, the, uh, well, I'll tell you what it is. It is the, uh, it is them doing the, her legs spread out before me thing. Probably it's a typo negative song, um, but right, I'll okay. bet you money. That's it, a little reference. Be- yeah. But typo negative, I mean, would never tell you his songs don't mean anything. They're all very horny, and they're right. about having sex with goth women. So yeah. respect, uh, respect. Oh no, fuck! Oh no, her legs spread out before me. The Pearl Jam song, right? Black. Oh yeah, I think is is sure. maybe I don't know. where he's drag. You know that song? Her well, I legs know, I know, spread I know this. out. I love that song. It's the only song I've ever had sex to. Um, <laughs> 
need to look on Dan's about that. face. No oh, I believe bullshit. you. No but fucking I, I, bullshit. You know what I'm imagining is like, I know that you have said you don't like having sex to music. So what you're saying is one time ever I had sex to music and it happened to be black by Pearl Jam. But what I heard is a different reality where every single time you have sex, you only <laughs> listen to black by Pearl Jam. That would be it's sick. A, my wife knows I'm in the mood when I walk in the bedroom and flip on the six CD disc changer. <laughs> <laughs> black starts to come on. I'm ready let to me, rock, let me... baby. Let's go. <laughs> Here's another song that my only note was oof, that chorus. <laughs> oof. So where is your comfort now? It's on the way out. Where are your reasons now? They're all worn out. Uh, oh, here's what I must have been thinking. My throat is tight when I pull it. Keep the hate alive. Push it. Your lips are dry when I tie it up in. Cover them with a knot. And that's the thing. John, let me just say this. <laughs> We gave Cold Chamber a good review yeah. because the album was really good and they clearly had a sense of humor about themselves. Yes. So the songs were fun because you know those guys were having fun when they made them. But yeah. these lyrics like aren't I don't know what they're going for in any of the songs and the lyrics like in 2020 Two, the lyrics are like when I hear the word misogyny in a song, I immediately assume it's misogynistic. Yeah. <laughs> like it's my it's rampant saying, misogyny, this <laughs> yeah. fascist hood I put over my face. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I hate the shit on them because I'm telling you, and and if you're one of because you know, I people have said this to me a lot over over the years like this is just people in my life and stuff like that that i spend too much time thinking about the singing and lyrics of of bands sure. that that yeah. like i'm oh like i'm overweighing their importance in a song because to me they're the most important part of the song because maybe because i work with words you know what i mean like i'm i'm just like i'm yeah you're into- a wordsmith yeah, I'm into words, I guess, or it's just what I notice first, sure. and maybe it was because I wanted to be in a rock band or, or sing in a band or something like that, right? And, like, I just, maybe I'm giving it too much importance because every second of, to me, every second of the music on this album is good. Like, I like every bit of the music. And it's right. really, if, here's the thing. This album, I would say, is 70% good. The only problem is that's spread out through all the songs. That's where the problem comes in. It's like, this is yeah, mostly all, It's good. like seven out of ten songs that are amazing <laughs> yeah. and three are bad. It's like yeah. every song is just kind of 70% good. Every yeah. song is a 10 until they're all, and then it's Hell. a fucking four. <laughs> oh, yeah. Capitalist greedy pigs in my bedpan full of I piss mean, and blood. Yeah, that's exact. There you go. They would. That is the other thing. These guys in the articles, they are the most self-serious of of, they're very they, serious. They, they come off you know, really bad. Like you know Aaron who they, Lewis bad. You know who they remind me of, actually, it, 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 in the articles, which we'll get to shortly, is the um, Hollywood Undead. 
it, it it's yeah. like a very similar vibe of like guys who are sort it's sort of inherently goofy and the, i think i think what it is and i think why i compare them to hollywood undead in their self-seriousness is that i think they think that what sells their music is this sort of disinterest in their own music is this sort of like james dean rebel without a cause yeah man the music's the music man i don't know what to tell you don't read into it we're just we just do music baby and that's it like it just and and i think when the music is so passionate um it's difficult i think to square it sometimes where you go okay well if we're so if the music itself is so raw and so intense why are we it's it's okay to say that it's raw like that you have raw and intense emotions about it like that's okay to say those things or like you said even just be vague about it and just be like yeah you know the lyrics kind of mean anything but it's really intense but yeah there is this sort of flippancy to the way that they approach the 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 way they're asked about the the recordings and the songs that I agree does make it tougher, especially when you're, when you've already like, we do the articles after we've listened to it. So it's not like we're going in. It's not like we're going in. We've read these articles. We hate these guys or whatever. It's nothing to do with that. But it's like when you're listening to the lyrics, as you're listening to the music and you're already sort of feeling this kind of way. And then the sort of articles confirm that there's really maybe not a lot going on there it does sort of like ruin the mystique a little bit. And I think, yeah, I think, you know, uh, to say that this is like the best new metal album ever, or, you know, what is just crazy to me because it doesn't have, it doesn't have all of the elements of a great new metal album in my mind. Um, it has some of those elements and I do think it is a good album in parts. I do think there are very good songs. I don't care as much about lyrics as you do. So I'm willing to overlook some of that, some of those kind of clunkers, as it were. But I think, yeah, it doesn't, it's not a record to me that is, uh, that is, it's, it's, not more than the sum of its parts, I guess. There isn't this sort of transcendent feeling I get when I'm listening to it where it where I would feel comfortable placing it among the best in the genre. It doesn't transcend the genre for me. You know, and we'll, we can get, I think, because I, I got something. I, I think every single one of the interviewers that interviewed him in these articles asked them, about this was the most frustrating thing i think of all the things about the interviews and and sort of then it it in my reflection of the album afterwards was was really affected by this is uh the question of them burning a flag on stage is yes. is brought up and it's this is a thing that happened at ozfest they used to they used to burn american flags on stage and yes. this this is post 9-11 all of these articles and some of the articles we're talking about december uh 2001 so like far really raw like a really raw nerve and and like um 
you know, they get asked about it and, and you're, 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 you know, obviously with me, I'm like, fucking cool. They burned a flag. Cause the only other time I, well, I've burned flags, but the only other time I've ever been anywhere where, uh, they burned a flag was rage against the machine. And it was like a real moment for me to, to see that happen. Just, it felt like, damn, these guys fucking crossed the line there and it's so cool. And it's like this big dangerous thing. And, uh, you know, it's very obvious, like, rage, like, why Rage Against the Machine would burn the flag on stage. It's very obvious why, you know, an anarchist would 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 be fine with flag burning and stuff. They ask him about this, and not only does he say nothing every time, uh, he also spends time saying, like, I'd still be doing it. We just decided against it so we don't get shot. And it's like, well, why did you do it? I don't know, because it was something crazy to do. And it's just like, fuck, dude. Well, I mean, like, what am I supposed to grab onto here? I, I don't, I, I don't, like, I'm doing all these fucking things, but they don't mean anything to anybody. Is then you read the lyrics or you listen to the lyrics and you're like, what here means anything, you know? And it then becomes like, almost like, okay, now we're judging this as an instrumental album in a way on, on my side. Right. Um, and I just, I don't know. They say nothing in four interviews that we read. They said nothing. And the album says nothing. And it's just a really odd fucking thing to man they're so close this is almost would make i mean look if i made a list of 50 favorite new metal albums i'd put this in uh maybe 50 you know or 47 yeah. or something like that because it's i've heard way worse shit way worse doing this yeah. show. especially in like this genre. way yeah, worse totally but they just they are really frustrating band to listen to because i i don't know i don't know who thought that that singing was was uh uh good and i don't know why they i don't know why they undercut the meanings and or or any of the uh editorial well i mean obviously there's no editorial voice at all on this album there's no there's there's no opinion there's there it's all just man we like to rock <laughs> it's just like really yeah. hard to get into a band called American Head Charge that burns flags on stage and then says hey man we're just out here to rock you know? we're just fucking rocking yeah so this is the in the pop entertainment interview the uh the the it was less of a question answer and a, it was a um you know a, a blended interview so the reviewer said in their constant attempt to shock and test audiences ahc had even burned a few american flags at shows but since the tragedy of september 11th the band recognized that the gesture carries even more weight than it had quote it would be kind of an overkill if we did said hanks we only did it before to piss some people off and it's like if your whole goal well, to piss people off by burning an American flag. Guess who you could have pissed off by burning an American flag after September 11th? <laughs> American well, people. Uh, I mean, let me let me let me just say, and I'm a fucking idiot. I would not burn an American flag in 2001. <laughs> uh, look, me neither. Me neither. But it's just funny to me that it's like, well, we wanted to piss people off, but not too much. 
You know, like no. it's just a weird, you know, and then, yeah. And then he says, uh, beyond the fact that their fans may find it offensive, there are just too many crazy people in the world. The band doesn't mm-hmm. want to have to worry about some guy waiting for them at the tour bus to carry out the patriotism of the country. Quote, I don't care enough about that piece of cloth to have some crazy guy come after me, answered Hanks. And then in the concert live wire interview, he kind of repeats the same thing. They're asking him about burning the American flag. And Chad said, uh, well, so the exact question was the summer you were on OzFest, I understand that Martin, the singer, because sometimes Cameron Heacock goes by Martin Cock, burned an American flag and also shot a gun off during a performance. Along with your lyrics, do you feel since the tragic events of September 11th that these can be taken as anti-American messages combined with your sometimes violent images? They may not be too well received now. Have you toned it down a bit? And Chad says, well, personally, I don't care. My personal views are the flag is a piece of cloth. I know how I feel inside and I don't need something physical to represent how I feel about this country. I've never felt like that in my entire life. I was actually the last one rallying to keep doing it. The shotgun thing is one thing. The problem with the shotgun is it's just not legal. It's got to be a stage gun. The barrel's got to be blocked, at which point it's not effective anymore. Then you're just doing a sound effects show. The flag thing, after what happened on the 11th, we were just about to start the Pledge of Allegiance tour. We were still with Mudvayne when that happened, so we had the okay to burn the flag. Um, And then, yeah, basically, you're right. Like, I think it would have served them better to say something about why they're burning the flag uh, other than just like, Oh, we thought this would piss people off. It's like, it is whether you like it or not, it is a sort of symbolic gesture. So what is this? The symbol can't just be, well, this will upset people. So I'm going to do it. That's just like pro wrestling level of like, Oh, I'm going to pretend that I'm from, uh, a foreign country. I'm going to pretend I'm Russian because I kind of look Russian, even though I'm white and it's the, or even though I'm American and uh, I, you know, it's the middle of the cold war. So I'm going to pretend to be from Russia and then you're going to hate me because I'm from Russia. It's like just such base level. Like that's the thing. I, I, I wish, I wish it was less. I wish there was less base level stuff going on here. I think yeah. that it is. Yeah. Like you said, I think, Oh, there's really good songs. The one thing they also do, which we haven't really touched on, is they do this thing in a lot of their songs where halfway through the song, the song just drops out and then they come Mm -hmm. back to the song. And I find that very annoying. I don't find it annoying Mm -hmm. on a general basis. But when you do that move in like 10 of the 16 songs that are on the (laughs) album, it makes me feel like you again, it's like. There's something semi sort of amateurish about it or something. I'm not sure, but I, it just, when you're repeating that, it's, it happens literally in the first song on the album, a violent reaction. You think the song is over at like the three minute mark. And then it kind of comes back and it builds to a crescendo. And what they usually do is they either come back with just the chorus or they come back with a slowed down version of the chorus or the verse that came before or whatever. And that's a fucking cool move. I got no problem with doing that move. It's just like when you keep doing it, when every song is like, okay, we dr- oh, it's a fake ending. Oh, we're back. It's just like, man, I don't know. It, it just didn't catch me. And I, one thing I will say also about this album, I think this album is a grower as far as I think the, it's better in the second half. Which, yeah, you don't us- which you don't usually see with new metal albums. But I find after shutdown, 
um, like including shutdown. So I guess after Americunt evolving into useless psychic garbage, the last six songs from shutdown to nothing gets nothing, I think are better than almost anything on the first half. I think self is maybe my favorite song which is on the first half. I also like Effigy 23, but I think that second half of the album, they start to play with the dynamics a little more. It's not just so straight ahead, crushing you in the face, shotgun blasty. Uh, and I liked it a lot more. I found, cause I actually, this is so long. I listened to it in two chunks the first time yeah. I listened to it. And I remembered that when I put the second chunk on, I was like, Oh, this is better. And then when I listened to it again, I was able to listen to it front to back and I was like, oh, no, I still it definitely gets better in the second half, which also I do think can contribute to, you know, uh, Kirk just released his new podcast uh, yet two days ago and was talking about the American Head Charge album and how it's a perfect album front to back. I think when you have an album that's kind of really much stronger at the end it's easier to feel that way too, where you go, Oh, maybe this is just a perfect album. Cause you know, usually albums trail off and then you go, oh, okay, well, but this one, I, I found the, the back half is better than the front half, but much like the uh, sick new world lineup, if you cut like five songs off of this album, it would be way better. <laughs> uh, I, I want to say this about, First of all, this is a perfect moshing album. I think that's why people like it so much. I that's mean, true if you too. saw I these see guys, them, like, I you could would see their, lose yeah. your shit. You know, I, I could would totally lose see my that shit. for sure. Yeah, that that'll make this uh, this pro that probably does make this a gr a perfect album. Like getting to see them and knowing the songs because every one of these songs are mosh. They're for moshing. They're they're designed with the whisper and then come into the song or the flatlining and then coming into the back into the heavy riff. It's like yeah. that is for moshing because you give them a break and then you can kind of play the audience. So it's kind of like a wave in a way of activity down in a pit. And that is awesome. When you're in a mosh pit that, that fucking kicks ass. So like, I get it, man. I know what it feels like. It, it's it's kind of like when I would go see corn and they would be, it, it, this is pre pre life is peachy. Right. And I would go see them and they would play uh divine and it would start out with people losing their fucking minds. It was like the heaviest shit. And then when he did the fuck you, I'm fed up with you. I'm not as good as you. Fuck no one better than you. The like crowd like is kind of slowly amping up. And then when the yeah. music kicks back in, he's like, fuck you. I'm people would lose. It would be like the craziest part of the night. And I think that's what these guys were going for in a lot of the songs. And I find that to be uh, incredibly cool. But you're <laughs> right. You can't do it in every song like uh, I, although corn does i well no once you get to the back half of the first yeah corn doesn't do it in every more. song they don't do it in yeah. every song no but you know no it's don't get me wrong it's these a are great all trick exciting. it's a great trick yeah. i love it i'm like i said i'm not saying never do it it just was like when you're not familiar with an album i think and you're trying to I do think part of our reviews always get affected when we haven't heard the album before 
and we know that we're sort of listening to it with a critical lens, I think that affects it too. Like, I think if this was just on in the car or whatever, and I wasn't thinking about, okay, I got to talk about this album for an hour and a half or whatever. I don't think that I would necessarily even notice that maybe, but when you're like sitting down, pardon me, and you're trying to dial in to how, like to what you want to say about the record. And so you feel like you're so connected to every song then you really notice it because then you go, oh, wow, that's really that is just really kind of happening in a lot of the songs. They really like that move. That's a that's a move they're yeah. really into, you know, I mean, and I think in some of the songs, it's almost like a completely different song. It's almost like it's two yeah. songs stapled together, um, which gives it a bit of a weird feel, too. Um, but, yeah, I mean. It's good. I mean, it's good. You know, a what else, album. what else can we Not say? It is, it is a good album. Yeah. I, I did. I definitely didn't hate it. Um, I do agree with like, or I do disagree with, um, holiday Kirk's thesis that it's like one of the greatest albums in any genre of all time. Um, I don't, uh, I don't see that. I don't see the case Covers. for that, but, uh, <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, it's pretty good. So let's get on to the, uh, let's get on to the articles. And I do want to say, we got this very funny tweet uh, that, that I had to felt like I should share because, you know, I do think it's funny We when we dig into the articles every month. This is from uh, Spring Silver at Spring Silver. Yeah. On Twitter, a new metal band will say the most innocuous thing in an interview from 2000. Like, yeah, touring can be pretty hard sometimes. And the POD cast will just rip them to shreds with the most unflattering <laughs> interpretation of the quote. And I was just like, yeah, exactly. That's what we do here. That's kind of the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I want to start this out by being incredibly mean, just immediately with the articles. <laughs> Let's let's please do it. Yeah. So I've got four articles here. Like I said, what these are all from 2001, uh, which doesn't always happen. Sometimes we got to do retrospectives, but we have one from popentertainment.com. We've got one from uh, December 14th, 2001 from Concert Livewire. We've got one from December 4th, 2001 from Kanak.com. And then we've got one from December 23rd, 2004. So that one's a little bit later. Uh, but it still talks about this album, and that's from Room 13. Okay, sorry, go ahead, Brian. All right, this is from popentertainment.com. First sentence. At the age of six, most people haven't chosen the type of music they liked, much less made the decision that they want to be in a rock band. Well, Chad Hanks from American Head Charge isn't like most people. Music was always there for him. Both his dad and uncle were radio disc jockeys. His uncle happened to be the local rock station DJ. One day, his uncle brought him a Kiss album. Hanks has been hooked ever since. And then I put in parentheses, failed industry plant. Is, is, <laughs> I mean, come on. Listen, I this is mean to say, but... His dad's a hard rock DJ. His first record contract is is with Rick Rubin on American music. And uh I don't know. That's a that the 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 DJ thing is is I mean, you probably get a lot of chances when your dad's the local hard rock DJ in the 90s. <laughs> oh, I would think so. Yeah. And so the the apparently the Rick Rubin connection came through system of a down. So they were, um, they were supporting system of a down in Des Moines, Iowa. And apparently Shavo from system of a down was so impressed that when he saw American recordings, label owner, Rick Rubin and, and Rubin asked Shavo if there were any bands he should check out. 
He told Ruben about American Head Charge, and six months later, the band was offered a record deal with American Recordings, which was then under the Columbia Records umbrella. Uh, but you're right, because there is also one of the interviews, I'm not sure which one, they were talking about how that happened through Shavo, and it basically sounded like Shavo just kept bugging Rick Rubin constantly being like, you got to sign these guys. You got to sign these guys, which is just funny to me as well. Cause it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like, uh, you know, that's the way things were like, it, it feels rare that the bass player of one of the biggest bands in the genre would constantly go to one of the most vaunted music producers of all time and be like, this band is the band you have to sign. Oh yeah, here it is. Uh, was the story, this is from the KNAC.com interview, was the story that you found your way to American through the ears of System of a Down correct? Chad, yeah, we opened for them in Des Moines a few years ago, and they were just really into us, especially Shavo. And from what I understand, he just kept bugging Rick and Dino. And eventually Dino, who was Rick's right-hand man and the head of A&R, came out and saw us, and then it all moved rather quickly from there. Right around that time, we started to get bombarded by all of the major label late all of the major record labels too. Oh, we have heard about you. And you said, yeah, well, you're a little, and we said, yeah, well, you're a little late laughs. Kanak, do you think that you could cut us a bigger check laughs? Yeah, no, it wasn't even that. It was just the typical thing where they got onto the scent of something and all came running. It was just like, fuck off. This isn't what we're looking for. If we had gone with one of them, it would be like this. As soon as somebody got fired or the record stiffed, they would abandon us. And then there would be nobody caring about us this way. The two people that held the label, uh, American are really into what we are doing. They have a heartfelt interest in what we are doing. And I don't see that changing, uh, which is obviously very funny because of course, uh, Rick Rubin dropped yep. them before their second record specifically well, because asked. he lost. Yeah. Well, the story there too, is that, they went into recording sessions with Rick Rubin for the second record and he just like didn't seem into it at all and just like was kind of ignoring them and leaving the sessions early and like not showing up. And then they were just like, hey, do you think you could let us out of our contract? It seems like you don't like us anymore. And he was like, yeah, I don't see ya." <laughs> yeah. And also he's famous for that. It's funny that they yeah. like they they that was a surprise to them because i i've always heard that that's what rick Rubin he just comes in and is like yeah man don't you think that'd be cool and then leaves he's like a, they call him more of like a spiritual leader than yeah. he is like a, a producer but it is yes uh that all i'm saying is when your dad and your uncle are big hard rock DJs, it yeah. might make it easier to get in front of System of a Down. Well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. When you're opening yeah. <laughs> for System of a Down in 1999 at a one-off show, you're probably... Someone's getting you there. Someone's getting you onto that stage. Who and, is and that this, someone? It's as I've always said. Uh, the reason I'm like this is because I'm jealous, not because I'm principled. Like, if my parents <laughs> were rich, I would fucking sure. love to have a ton of money. You know what I mean? But my parents aren't rich, so I have to hustle. And it's the same thing. If my parents could have got me into show business, I would have fucking been like, Dad, get me into fucking show business, man. What's going on here? But when other people do it, it makes me mad because I didn't get to do it. Of course. Yeah. I never had a connection in my life, John. Never in my life have I ever had one connection. So You and me both, dude. You know. Yeah, yep. it's crazy. You're sometimes you're like, 
come on, man. Like, why can't Damon Wayans see me and really like me or something? <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Why couldn't my dad be childhood friends with Mr. Wayans? Yeah, yeah. The Wayans family. That would be a huge thing because then we yeah. would have probably both been in scary movie, you know, and six that yeah. launched so many careers. Yeah, I opened for Keenan Ivory Wayans uh, in Columbus back <laughs> in nineteen ninety seven and then Keenan Ivory went to Damon and was like, yo, you gotta get this guy. And then I then that's how I showed up on the Mr. Mr. or whatever is fucking what was Damon or Wayne's I, uh, stupid sitcom called? I would have relayed Daddy, I would have replaced Mr. Daddy. What the fuck am I thinking of? Well, I'm thinking I would have replaced Jim Carrey on In Living Color is oh, what would have ended up okay. happening with me. Yeah, I like you that. Know? I like that. Yeah. I thought oh, that's show, the dream. The show was called <laughs> My Wife and Kids. That's, that's a right. good name. I watched hey. that show. I watched a few of that shows. It was from it aired from March twenty eighth, two thousand one to May seventeenth, two thousand five. Oh, that's probably where they got Oh, never mind. We got to Damon Wayans in a whole different way. I we thought did. for some reason I didn't bring up Damon Wayans. No, you brought up and Damon that that Wayans. was part of the American Head Charge <laughs> interview. Where uh, yeah. wait, they didn't talk about Damon Wayans. I don't yeah. think Shavo from System of a Down and Damon Wayans saw us play in Des Moines, Iowa, and the two <laughs> of them combined got assigned with Rick Rubin. That's how we Listen, brought it up. Uh, so the next thing in pop entertainment. Yeah. Let me see if I have another thing for popping. Oh, oh, oh. Hanks wishes th that they could do for their live shows is play some of their slower, more cerebral songs, <laughs> such as Nothing Gets Nothing and Breathe In, Bleed Out. I don't remember these songs being slower you know a cerebral or more song. cerebral. You know the cerebral song, Breathe In, Bleed Out? Is it that real <laughs> Hank thinker? Hanks finds it easy to put together a heavy metal set. However, sometimes he feels the audience has certain expectations of the band and may not appreciate the music as much. Many people just go in inspecting the radio hit, and we're not willing to delve as deeply to experience the whole album. Number one, guys. What's the radio, radio hit? hit? Yeah, so ju <laughs> just so you know is the is the single, and I guess technically the hit. Um, but yeah, it didn't... Uh, it peaked at like number four number 45 even on the modern rock tracks chart like it wasn't yeah it peaked at uh didn't even make it to the u.s rock charts it peaked at number three on the uk rock chart oh those motherfuckers will listen to anything yeah and number 52 on the uk singles chart so i do think they they had more of a fan base in the uk from what i yeah know they probably like the name of the band over there and shit, yeah that's probably know. true yeah american um, head charge doesn't mean anything yeah, but brian that was all I had for it means absolutely. Oh, yeah. Wait, there was this. The band just isn't willing to compromise their vision for airplay. God, how many Hanks times have we heard this shit? How many fucking bands have we covered where the band literally says this exact thing? We refuse to compromise our vision for the for the snakes at MTV. Yeah, I love this. Hank understands. That, by the way, one of the reasons I didn't like System of a Down when I saw him was he basically cut this exact same promo on stage. Uh, he goes, Hanks understands the whole idea of making a music video and using MTV as a marketing tool. However, well, he also <laughs> knows there are other ways to get the music to the people without MTV. Metallica did it. Slipknot did it, said Hanks, giving a few examples. AHC actually have already made a music video, but no one wants to play it. It's not that they don't like the music or the song necessarily, but it's mainly because the video is gory and the content was deemed not suitable for the taste of MTV. Well, 
that was a stupid move, you dumb fuck. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I get not wanting to compromise your vision, but, like, you spent the money, you dumb fucking idiot. Make a video that they'll air on the channel that plays the fucking videos. Fuck. <laughs> These guys are dumb as hell, man. I love the idea too of the of this just the sentence like Hanks because this is a this is the writer writing. Hanks understands the whole idea of making a video and using MTV as a marketing tool, which means that at some point in their interview, Chad Hanks was like, "Look, man, I get it. You know, you get big on MTV, you get big. Like, I get like, yeah, no fucking kidding." Of course he understands how MTV could be a marketing tool. It's only interesting if he doesn't understand how MTV is a marketing tool. <laughs> if he was like, man, I don't even get it. Like these bands get their videos on MTV and then they get really popular. I just can't even figure that out, dude. That, <laughs> That's yeah, interesting. That is, the, <laughs> yeah. The baby brain guy. Uh, this is from uh, Livewire. Uh, concert yeah, Livewire. Concert Livewire, yeah. Uh, right now, you have the new metal, and then you have the boy bands and Britney Spears. Chad, first of all, I hate that term, new metal. Someone came up with that for lack of a better term for something yeah, they check couldn't that describe. Check that off the bingo card. We don't it's compromise nice our vision, and we are not new metal. Check that off the and bingo card. And here's a big check off for the card. It's a nice tag that sheep can latch on to. <laughs> <laughs> yes, baby. The sheep. The sheep are slopping it up. Sick of these sheeple listening to my fucking music. If you find it in the new metal section, put it back down and don't buy it. It's not for you. Yeah, this was also this also made me laugh and not like it is kind of serious. He's talking about getting sober um, and then uh, they, mm -hmm. they met in like rehab and halfway houses um, and stuff. And so they're kind of talking about that. And then he talks about how he's still drinking. Like the guy, the oh, yeah. interview, the interviewer asks if he's sober now. And he says, no. And he's literally like holds up a beer. And then uh, <clears throat> the guy says, Livewire says, what made your decision to finally say I'm going to drink? And Chad says, I ran it through my head for eight or nine months before wondering before that, wondering if I could, whether I would ever drink again or even smoke a joint again and then not run out and start shooting dope and sell all my gear and like fuck over all the people that depend on me. So you're in the program and you went to the meetings. Oh, yeah, the whole deal. Still do? No. Don't feel the need for it. Doing this is a nice, it's kind of like if you sit there running the tape through, there's a lot of relying, not to sound egotistical or blow smoke up my own ass or toot my own horn, but there's a lot riding on the fact that I keep this all together. There's this and everything is all interconnected. I'd fuck it up with my six best friends. I'd fuck up the possibility of people dumping tons of money into us, not trusting us anymore. It goes all the way down the line. Those are bad odds. I wouldn't bet on being able to try using heroin again and keep us all together. It just isn't going to happen, which Look, I don't use drugs. I've never used drugs, but that doesn't seem like a good. It seems like a lot of people use drugs over, like ruin their lives with drugs over a lot more than being an American head charge. <laughs> yeah, it just seemed but, like and, a weird. Like, I promise you, I'm not going to do heroin again because everyone in this band relies on me. It's like that doesn't. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not casting stones or whatever again. I know the rehab process is difficult or whatever, but it's also I mean you've been in rehab. Maybe you can speak more to it. It just seemed like 
that doesn't seem like the reason that's going to keep you away from it, maybe. Well, I'll say this. They're what they call Brian sober. As in, I went to rehab. I know what the problem is. And uh, I just have to be responsible with my drugs. Which, hey, you know, I've done pretty good at that. I've been relatively responsible. And, but... I don't know if I was on tour because, I mean, when I went on tour, I started smoking again, like immediately. Like it was right. just like after like two or three dates, I'm smoking cigarettes again. And like, I think, I, I don't know if that's the best way to think of it, but I will say the reason this guy left rehab is the same reason I got kicked out of rehab. Like what he came to in that process is exactly what I came to. Like, I, I maybe wouldn't say it now, but I just, at the time was like, uh, this is like, this was a mistake. I, I, I kind of went over the line. I did too much. Uh, and I shouldn't have done that. I'm not going to do it again. I know how to stay away from, you know what I mean? Like, you can learn how not to, like it's not about like addiction with me necessarily like whatever that means like i do drugs every day right but like it's about where your fucking shit goes now if i was in this band traveling the country and this whole thing hinged on me being at my best i would probably just stick with like most the sobriety for that, for my first tour, I wouldn't go right on. Because when I went to rehab, when I got out, I didn't do a single drug for two years almost. Right. Uh, it took me a long, it takes a long time to like accept where you're at and and, and that kind of thing and, and learn, you know, best practices and, and learn to, to know yourself a little better. So I get what he's saying. But uh, it just seemed like a strange way to say it to me. I'm not I wasn't trying to make light of it or anything. It just seemed like a weird way of expressing like a weird way of expressing this sort of like, yeah, like I'm not sober, but I'm fine. Probably. (laughs) I mean, it is literally when I went to rehab, I said, I'm too strong for this. That's what he sounds like. And which I would never say that now. That's not like Brian now. But at the time it was like, oh, what? I'm supposed to depend on a higher power. My higher power is my brain and shit like that. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I guess that's what what it sounds like to me. Yes. I was going to say that's what it came across like as to me too is like i know i'm never gonna do heroin again i just know it and it's like it seems like that is not at least from what i have seen and have read and and know about drug addiction that's not generally how it works or that's not like a great plan for making it work i just at the end of the day i'll be fine I will say it appears that they did do heroin again after reading the later article yeah. that you had where they're like, shit got a little crazy on tour with the chemicals. And it's like, oh, somebody did heroin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, unfortunately, Chad Hanks passed away at a pretty young age. So, Oh, um, he's dead? Yeah, yeah. Chad Hanks. Yeah, okay. He's, he's the yeah, guy in okay. all these. He's now, the guy in all these interviews. He's like the founding bass player, I believe, in the band. And then, yeah, wait, he the died. The bass player's the big guy in the band. Well, he's yeah, he's the like, he's like the founder of the band, and does he was obviously the guy who was the most comfortable talking. It seems like, but yeah, he 
Yeah, on November 12th, 2017, founding bass player Chad Hanks died at the age of 46 after being diagnosed with a terminal illness. Oh, okay. Well, that, I mean, that's the worst way to go because it wasn't an OD or anything, which that was probably insensitive, but a terminal (laughs) illness is tough. Yeah, it was. It, it um, says his friends have indicated his battle was with cancer, though nothing official has been stated regarding that. Yeah, well, that sucks. But, you know, he was an idiot and he got to live 10 lives. <laughs> true. You know, on tour. So, did. can we talk a little bit about the canac.com? Yeah, article? I feel like this is where this is all you. I feel like the at least the start of the interview for sure is all you. David Lee Wilson wrote this. Now, I don't like this man at all. (laughs) And you're probably thinking like, Brian, you don't know him. How can you not like him? What would you like it if somebody listened to you and said, I don't like you on one podcast? No, I would hate that. But you know what? People do it like that's constantly that happens with every podcast. Somebody turns it out like this fucking every day turns it off at least once (laughs) a week. Someone tells me I'm bad at podcasting so (laughs) here we go fuck the rules ignore the fools burn the schools if they can't teach anything of true import kill all the kings of fashion and uh rape their queens leaving them to lay in their bloody sheets wondering why the bodies they rule contain angry hearts and rebellious minds burn your idols besmirch the name of your heroes lay all waste and then command your god to open the heavens and weep a cleansing rain across the land all the while preparing to build again this is what i get from american head charge am i wrong <laughs> yes i would say that all that stuff is too I wish much that is a I lot wish of bluster, said that sir. to american head charge this this dude, music sounds like you're uh, killing kings and raping queens dude i'll say this it fucking it sounds like the greatest album ever made and like the way he's doing it is like almost too much build up for the interview because again these guys not great interviews so it, it's kind of like he builds up so much it's too much sir too much and also as you're reading it like when i started reading that i thought it was head american head charge lyrics that i hadn't heard yet right and i was like oh man so this guy's opening with like a quote from the album no that's not what it is he was writing no he wrote that a guy wrote that a guy a guy wrote that it's it's you and you know what and then he went on to have a career writing mushroom heads biography um did he really no but oh my god i was like damn Uh, also let me just say this it was one of those mornings where no prisoners needed to be taken Ugh. no time no interest so i started in on the ball busting right from the drop as it would happen american head charges chad hanks was more up for it than repulsing the attack with down-to-earth realism and thus here you have a bit of phone speak with one of tomorrow's most important a bit entities. a bit of phone speak is yeah. incredible what an incredible so- <laughs> turn of phrase ring 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 chad hello 
Kanak.com in a stern southern accent. Yeah, this is Bob from the Veterans of Foreign Wars, and I want to speak to the flag burning son of a bitch on your tour bus. And then Chad's like, um, what? Could you say that again? And then Kanak goes, all right, man, now come on. Did you really expect the VFW would get your cell phone number just to harass you? Yes. I believe that they would actually, if I'm a band known for burning the flag, I would actually think that the veterans of foreign wars would call me and get mad at me, especially in 2001. It's unbelievable. (laughs) Cause here's the thing. I think sometimes I see things like this and I'm like, this didn't really happen. I fully believe this really happened. This interviewer called a band and was like, you know how I'm going to break the ice here by pretending to like by prank calling this guy, basically. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. That is fucking insane. And the way he talks about as it, as it moves on, it's like, you can tell that uh, Chad was clearly not excited thrilled about the joke because he's like oh i was you know i was a little bit nervous i was about to get confrontational and of course he he's the guy's writing an article about him he has his phone number so he he kind of has to humor him a little bit but dude i that i would have bombed the rest of i would have told him to eat shit if he did that i would hate that i hate that like like that feeling when you think some shit's about to go down where your like chest starts to burn and stuff it's like i would not i don't like that like i would hate that and i know this chad guy hated that for sure oh who would like that who would think yeah. like oh hell yeah this is amazing it and the opening reminded me of there is this guy brian i know I'll I'll got I'll send you some videos. There's this guy I know you'll fucking love this guy. There's this guy in Vancouver, uh, and Dan I'm sure has heard of him before. But he is a he is a guy who shows up to karaoke nights in Vancouver, and he refers to himself as Arcanabis, uh, but spelled A C A R C A N A B Y S S. And he wears like a floor length leather trench coat and he will go to karaoke nights and sing like metal and stuff. And then he also (laughs) makes his own music, but he writes uh, like he'll he'll write words about the songs that he writes in kind of like middle English. And he thinks that that Mm. like makes him sound really cool. And this kind of completely reminded me of uh, of this. Like, it's very much like this reminded me of the Arcanabis guy where all these people in Vancouver know this guy and he's so weird and it's just very strange. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I, like he, I he told Kanak to eat my shit at that point. Oh, because let me definitely. read you Chad's response here. After he's like, I was just fucking around. Chad's like, oh, man, I swear to God, I had to do a double take on that. I was like, "Uh, excuse me. Fuck. I had to take a minute and compose myself and prepare for a confrontation. That was a good opener. It's like, fuck, dude, you really like messed with this guy's anxiety pretty much. Like, oh, yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, motherfucker, I don't know you. Kanak, 
I don't fucking know you. Don't, don't talk to me. I don't like need this, this kind of shit. Uh, Kanak, uh, also, I'll, I'll just read, uh, a, like his, this load of questions here. I bet you do get some shit for that stunt that you pull with the flag burning back on the Ozfest tour. And then the next thing he says is, I, I'm not reading Chad's answers. I'm only reading Kanak stuff. Well, you still, already know must, what Chad said. Yeah, whatever. It's a piece of cloth, man. Yeah. Still, it must be a bit scary at some of these places that you're playing where the club is really a punk or hardcore club and all the skinheads are in a circle, braces down and gets ready for a fight. Can't make those people too happy. And then he goes on to say, I'm, I'm trying to. Yeah, he goes on to ask him like about his politics like seven times, and Chad never. Yeah, he's like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't give a shit. I don't vote. I never voted. The only person I ever voted for was Jesse Ventura, because they're from Minnesota, and they got. They said they got a check for three hundred dollars, so that's a good vote. If you ask me, I would. I would have done that, but. Yeah, he, he I, I this is the one that made me like Chad, you know, like where it was like, uh, at least he was good humor with this fucking loser loser. Yeah. What if Kanak listens to this? I show hope he does. Because I he's hope like, David I used Lee to write Wilson about or whatever. Metal. I yeah, hope so. Eat shit, Kanak. You fucking yeah. weird. This is uh, this is our cannabis is. Um... He posted a song from his latest album on YouTube. This is how he describes the song. You ready for this? It's going to remind you of David Lee Wilson here. Track four, G-Force from the superlative album Symphony of Shadows. With potently sinister sounding symphonious orchestral hybrid music, I composed for it. Each composition is filled with multifarious, ominous cinematic effects, soundscape and synthesizers commingled with dynamically epic and masterful instrumentation to ensorcel your mind and ears into a sonant realm of absolute darksome excitation. Epicus musicus eternalis. Indispensable Ah. note, I obtained the animated video of the stormy Fuscus volcanic landscape from video website. I did not create it. I just adorned it with my album text and found it befitting for the potently darksome orchestral hybrid musicality I composed. But the funny thing is, is like, so he's making his own music now, but he used to do karaoke and then he would post a video of himself doing karaoke and he would write about it like this and then it would be like this brilliant symphonic orchestral uh, composition crazy in love by Beyonce was done. Like it was so fucking weird. And he would just constantly be at all these karaoke nights and he would try and like shush the crowd before he started singing and all this stuff. Great, great shit. Really. That is very funny. Uh, uh, That I like his voice. He's got a, a, what's the word? He's got a unique voice and that's what I like about certainly. Yes. I, and that's what I like about Kanak, really. I was just, I was being a little bit rude to Kanak. Actually, I loved it when he said, uh, well, let me see here. Where's where's another Kanak? Well, you have to worry a little bit about what kids take away from your shows, especially because, and I'm sure you know this, bands like your label and touring mate Slayer are being sued again and again for all kinds of things. Even if the suits are all dismissed, it still costs a bucket load of money to defend against that shit. Um, that is after he says, I don't care about anything he's like but what about this do you care about this and it's like bro he doesn't care he fucking said he doesn't care (laughs) 
doesn't care, man. Leave it alone. Um, the last yeah. interview, Room 13. Really, this, a very funny name. It's by Hat Ray. I don't know what that means. But uh, this is from uh, just this first question I love. You're only doing a short stint in the UK, but is there anything you can't leave home without? Chad, marijuana, some kind of sleep aid, I would suppose. On behalf of everybody, there were a couple of asses that drugs were hidden in. Uh, Chris Emery, you stuck weed in your butt? Chad, yeah, and it's really good weed. You can write this down. Trust me. The only way to bring shit over here is in your ass. You have nature's little backpack. Uh, Chris Emery, condoms, weed in your ass, and sleeping pills. Yo, that's edgy, though. That's like a, a That's edgy, a crazy... baby. I also yeah, do not are... believe they did that. I don't believe no, for no, no, a second they, they brought weed in their ass. Nobody puts weed in their ass. Nobody no. flies with weed. It's easy enough to get weed wherever exactly. you get. You do not you don't need have to fly to put it up with weed ass. in your ass. No, no question. Because obviously it's different in getting it to Europe. But uh, also, I assume if you're in a band, you can figure out a way. To, yeah, you can figure out a to way. get it there. So yeah, I I uh I totally agree that that did not happen, but it it uh it tell it makes for a very not funny story, you know. <laughs> hey, we love a not funny story on the show. Do you have anything else with the articles, Bri? I think I got them all. I think I all got right. them all. All right. Well, then that leaves us with the tweet defense. If this is your first time tuning into the show, this is how we review the album. If someone were to tweet at you that the album was not good, how many tweets would you do in defense of it? And uh, Brian, I'll, I'll, the floor is yours. Where, where are you scoring this one? Well, I already said it earlier. It's a seven, but spread out among all the songs. The score is seven, but it's really... If I'm doing the seven tweets to defend it, I have to, in every single one of them, say, yeah, but there's this part of where it's like he does a butt rock <laughs> voice that that's problematic. I don't You're like right. that. I don't, I don't like that. You know, or it's but, like seven tweets, but it's over the course of like 10 days. You're just not getting <laughs> back to them very quickly. You're not as full hearted in the argument. I think it's 70% is, is really the best way that I can describe it. And again, it's mostly good, but every song has a part in it. I don't like, yeah, no, that's fair. Um, I think tweet defense for me, I will go three. I think there's, uh, I think there's some good, uh, there's some good stuff on here, but again, I don't, I don't think of it as this sort of underrated new metal classic. I, I think it's just fine. I think it's probably properly rated. Sold 250,000 copies. That's probably about right. Um, yeah, it's good. It's not great. Um, it has moments. It's too long. The band is dumb. There you don't go. Be mad. Don't, be, don't be mad, Kirk. You asked for it. Okay. Yeah, you rigged this. You rigged this, baby. You so rigged this you get... poll against my wishes. Yes, and, exactly. Uh, you get what you I, you get what you wish for. Imagine how great it would have been when John gave Roots like a three, and I gave it uh, <laughs> seven infinities. Okay. <laughs> I could like Roots. I, who knows? I we don't, don't know. think you're gonna like Roots. I it like. Just I mean, the Soulfly and Sepultura brother. songs I've heard, I like. So we'll see. All right. You well, never I know. hope we do roots. I well, hope we is, do. 
It is possible. That's for sure. Um, all right. Well, if you want to support the show, you can head on over to patreon.com slash the POD cast. That's cast with a K. You get three bonus episodes every single month. You get two singles reviews. We do some short reviews of new metal singles. And then we also do one full length album review. Last month, we reviewed the vaunted Judgment Night soundtrack with our good friend, comedian Ryan Williams. Uh, it was a blast. That is certainly a seminal new metal album, an absolute classic. We loved it. We loved listening to it. So make sure you head on over to Patreon to check that out. And if you want to tell us what to do for an episode, you can. All those options are there. You can you can pick a single or pick an album for us to do at uh, certain donation tiers. So you can check that out at patreon.com slash the POD cast. Uh, you also get access to a Discord and... Yeah, you just get you get merch discounts. We have merch now. We've got an awesome shirt uh, designed by Exploder Creative Club that we think kicks ass. It's over at merch.blockedparty.com. And uh, if you like the show, tell a friend. Uh, Brian, we are here at the end of the show. We always finish off the show with two pieces of business. The first one is the challenge. If this is your first time listening to the show, Brian and I give ourselves a a challenge based on this album. Uh, last month, the challenge was to come up with a consequence, uh, a la Incubus, uh, from the song Consequence, where Brandon uh, says that consequence is stranger than a gang of drunken mimes. Uh, <laughs> Brian and I had to come up with our own uh, consequence being stranger than. And uh, once again, I was the winner. So we seem to go in. Uh, we seem to go in streaks here. Out of we tied one of the last five and I've won the other four. But then before that you had won four in a row. So we really go back and forth on these challenges, but it's currently 19 wins for me, 17 wins for you and two ties. And uh, Brian, you came up with a challenge this month. So uh, you can let the listeners know what that challenge is. It's just make a street joke into a song part. That is it. It's uh, okay. uh and, and because of the fuck, rapper in a flag and fuck for glory line we are taking a street joke and singing it basically yeah. yeah and uh i i will give you an example as i will do mine first okay so everybody can hear it and uh here we go here we go <clears throat> what's black white and red all over a nun falling down the stairs <laughs> the best i could do there but i feel like i really gave it my all i don't know singing. if i've heard that singing voice from you before that was good no, that had a little bit of a, a higher one. little higher register than you normally uh, singing <laughs> i like that and then falling down the stairs uh that was good i liked that one okay that's good all right okay <clears throat> Did you hear about the two antennas that got married? The ceremony was terrible, but the reception was excellent. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that was the goofiest one we've done. I think. Easily but the goofiest I, I think, one we've done. I think uh, uh, thank you, Chad, for giving us that opportunity to do that. God bless you, Chad. Uh, RIP, <laughs> so, sir. Rest in power. Rest rest in power, yes. Um, okay, so uh, normally this is the part of the show where we would do the poll, which is where Brian and I would nominate two albums each 
for consideration for the review next month. However, last year for Christmas or for December for holiday time, we did something that people really liked. And so we're going to bring it back again. It's sort of like a, a gift, if you will, a gift to the listeners, a gift to the bands that show up in the poll. They work so hard to be nominated and we love them for it and we appreciate it. And so this is... Uh, the redemption poll, as it were. And so uh, we went through, we counted up the number of times that bands have been in the poll without winning. And we are going to take the four most nominated albums and we are going to put them in a poll so that we guarantee at least one of these losers finally gets reviewed on the POD cast. So here we go. Six times Sepultura's Roots has been nominated in a poll, and six times Sepultura's Roots has lost the poll. So they are number one, Sepultura's Roots. Number two, four times Saliva's Every Six Seconds has been in the poll. Four times it has lost. Saliva is every six seconds. And then rounding out the list, Head P.E.'s self-titled album, Head P.E. and Seven Dust's Home. So those are your four albums in the poll. Those were both nominated three times. So you've got Sepultura Roots, Saliva every six seconds, Head P.E. self-titled, Seven Dust Home will all be on the poll next month. And one of them, Brian, will finally get reviewed on the show. So vote for fucking roots already. <laughs> Come on. Six Do times. Brian. Six Do it times. For the dog. I've been trying to review it since the first show, I think, or the first poll. It was one so. of the first. Yeah, I think it was on the first poll. But yes. And I think two of the six times, like five of them, it's come second. Like it's been, yeah. it's always so close, but can't get a W. So this could be it, but you never know. Maybe people will like saliva more. Saliva also gets a lot of votes when it gets in the poll. So. We'll see, but one of those four will be uh, in the poll. You can vote on that on our Twitter. Follow us on twitter.com slash the POD underscore cast. We spell cast with a K like the band corn. And uh, that's where you can vote on the poll. That's where you can vote on who won the challenge. That's where you can uh, tweet at us about how mean we are to these bands, whatever you want. It's all there. So make sure to follow us. Check it out. Uh, thank you again to everybody for listening. We love you. We got some special bonus content coming up in December. Uh, so check that out. Patreon.com slash the POD underscore or no, there's no underscore in the Patreon, just patreon.com slash the POD cast. Thank you for listening. We love you. We'll see you back here next month. Goodbye. <laughs>